0: Today's episode of The Lutheran Cartographer is brought to you by Audible. Get a free trial offer with a free audiobook at audibletrial.com slash Cartographer. The Lutheran Cartographer, episode 25. Welcome to The Lutheran Cartographer, the podcast where we explore what it's like to be Lutheran in different places. Today, we are joined by Pastor Ryan Tinetti of Trinity Lutheran Church in Arcadia, Michigan. Pastor Tinetti, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. It's great to be here.
0: So, tell our listeners where exactly are we in Michigan? Where is Arcadia?
1: Right. So, if uh, they can all pull out their hands, as Michiganders are prone to do, right? And you look at your at your right hand, that gives you uh, roughly an idea of what Michigan looks like. Not to uh, slight our Upper Peninsula friends, they often get left out when we do the you know the hand map for Michigan. But uh, if you're doing that, um, Arcadia is up near the the top of your pinky, depending on the size of your fingers. Um, but it's it's about three quarters of the way up the uh, West Michigan coastline, right on Lake Michigan.
0: Okay, so this is with our palms up and with our thumbs pointed to the right.
1: Yes, that's right. Yep, you can kind of picture a map, and uh, we're we're on the left side there. Yep.
0: Okay, good deal. So tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in on the on the pinky of Michigan.
1: So I was born and raised down on the uh, other side of Michigan, southeastern Michigan in the Detroit area and so I'm a a native Michigander and um, grew up in the state and uh, went to school, went to undergrad um, uh, in Michigan as well. Um, but since graduating from college, I've really bounced around all over the place. I spent a year overseas in Bangkok, Thailand as a, a missionary with LCMS World Mission, um, went to seminary in St. Louis. My vicarage was in Tucson. And then I've served two parishes prior to this one, one in um, coastal California on Monterey Peninsula and another one in uh, Washington State, in your state on the other side there in Spokane. And so I really... Been fortunate to be able to serve in some beautiful places and to be exposed to a, a lot of wonderful areas. And for me, and and for my family, I'm married and we've got four kids. Um, what I have always had a deep longing for is roots and for a connection to a community, especially a community of faith. But um, as well, to be part of uh, to to be part of a real place and. Um, in Arcadia, I first came across it. and We can talk more about how we happened upon this this small little town. But when I first visited here, it just gave me this deep sense of rootedness uh, that I found immediately appealing. And I, I'm not the only one; as many other folks who have made their way to Arcadia either to live or to visit um, could attest as well. And so, um, having come here, having visited, and receiving the call here. Uh, It was just a a natural fit for myself and for my family, and it's been a real blessing being here.
0: That is a wonderful thing to feel that sense of connection. Yeah. So tell our listeners a little bit more about how that rootedness uh, here in Arcadia contrasts with some of the other places you've been. I mean, clearly people feel a sense of community in lots of different places. What makes Arcadia different than some of the other places that you've been? Sure.
1: Well, first I would say is that all the places that we've been have been really wonderful. I've been very fortunate. I joke with folks, you know, call day, we just had the, the call days at the seminaries, and you'll hear a lot of guys are being called to, you know, Wrath of God Lutheran Church in Zap North Dakota, something like this. And uh, so my, my first calls in, to Faith Lutheran Church in Seaside, California, and everybody just looked at me like, well, you know, who did you have to pay to get that? Um, we've lived in some really uh, wonderful places in the desert, on the ocean, near the mountains. Um, but just take that, that example of California and, and the Monterey area, which is a beautiful, wonderful area. Um, a lot of the population is, is very transient, though. Uh, you have the military, large military presence there, the Naval Post Graduate School and also the Defense Language Institute, a lot of military folks. Many of our congregational members were military. And so they'll be um, passing through. There's universities as well. And um, that's great that's wonderful it's an opportunity for ministry but in terms of roots it wasn't quite able to develop that same sense of rootedness um apart from the fact that the cost of living is just exceptionally high there <laughs> um yeah uh in washington state our experience in spokane was was different it was more a place where you had a lot of folks who lived there um, who were from there and it you got a sense that it was a genuine community but it was like um, all the other places i'd lived. A bigger city, depending on what your frame of reference is, but Spokane's about a quarter million people. Again, I grew up in the Detroit area, which in that whole metro area is four or five million people. I'd only ever lived in cities or at least large suburbs. And um, now what really the big contrast is Arcadia is, it's a small rural hamlet, really. Our year-round population is about 700. Um, in the summertime, at least most summers, it goes up to probably three thousand. Um, but even then, you know, this is this is a small town, and it's it's off the beaten path in a lot of ways. Uh, and so it's been a transition, but it's it's definitely a big contrast from everywhere else I've lived to be now rural and to be in the country. Obviously, there's a lot of folks they grew up that way; they don't know anything different. For me, it's it's quite different, and there's a lot about that that I'm really enjoying them, my family's enjoying as well.
0: That is fantastic. So you mentioned earlier that there was a a story behind how you found out about Arcadia. Tell us that story. So
1: um, Arcadia, for those uh, who don't know, is most closely associated with Camp Arcadia. So Camp Arcadia is here. It's going to be celebrating its 100th anniversary in a couple of years, and uh, it's a Lutheran family camp. It's really like a resort camp Uh, in a lot of ways. It's not um, like a lot of other uh, Lutheran camps where it's just for kids and summer camp. Instead, um, it's different in that, A, it invites whole families to come for a week, and B, each week has speakers who come. They call them deans and lecturers. Um, It might be seminary professors, pastors, authors. Uh, from throughout, not only Lutherans, but also throughout uh, other Christian denominations as well, are invited to, to come and speak. And so it really gives, us, it, gives it this sense of um, uh, a place of Christian formation and education, as well as vacationing with God, which is kind of their tagline. So I, I got invited um, to be one of these deans or lecturers, I can't recall which. Um, uh, about five years ago, I got to know the, the camp director, Chip May. And invited me to come out so we're coming out this is in 2016 and and uh as we're we're planning to have this visit up here my wife who grew up in denver is from colorado um she hears from her dad she says so you guys are going to arcadia she says yeah and he says you know we've got kin from arcadia and uh my wife ann she's like really a, Michigan, because she'd never lived in Michigan, and B, this small little town up on the pinky of, of Michigan. Um, how could that be? Well, come to find out that my wife's great, great, great grandfather, three greats, for those of you scoring at home, uh, was a guy by the name of Henry Starkey. And he he came over from Milwaukee. Well, he initially came over from the old country, right, from Germany, landed in Milwaukee, and uh, was part of Trinity Lutheran Church in Milwaukee, that one that had burned, the beautiful old church um, that had burned a, a couple of years ago. And uh, in his retirement, he decided he wanted to start a town, okay? So he, he goes across the lake. He had, bought, he had made some trips over to uh, northern Michigan, and he had bought this vast swath of land that he thought we could put in a lumber mill here, maybe a furniture factory, and he does that. And in his retirement... He starts this little village, and but he tells his pastor back in Milwaukee, hey, look, if I'm not able to help form a Lutheran congregation within the first couple of years, I'm going to come back, okay? So uh, he does it. He, he along with uh, several other laymen, they help to um, start a church plant, um, call a pastor. Of course, they started a school right away as well in the good old Lutheran tradition. And this is in 1880s, Okay. Well, this Henry Starkey, as I say, is a great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather of my wife Anne, and he, his son Charles had given the land for Camp Arcadia. And uh, um, when we were first coming up here, Anne's dad tells her about this connection, and so we look into it and find out about it. We're just absolutely floored about this you know and had no idea and we um she tracks back through the family records and sure enough there there was the starkey family and you know long story short there the um the lumber mill lumber industry kind of petered out similar things have happened up in washington state as well and uh the family relocated to the denver area and and kind of continued from there And so, here we are, we make this visit up to Arcadia, and and not only does the community itself already have this sense of of being this thick, you know, community with strong bonds, but now suddenly we find out we have these unique family roots as well. And I was just really taken by that. I'm kind of a romantic at heart, and I just thought, wow, that's really fantastic. Um, Then when we get the call here a few years later. Uh, it was difficult to turn down to think about, you know, my kids being able to grow up in uh, a town where they have uh, such deep roots. So it's been really tremendous in that respect.
0: Yes. And that sounds like a a retirement project that all of us can aspire to going and starting a town. (laughs) Right. For sure. (laughs) Okay. So tell us a little bit more about the great things about Arcadia you already mentioned the the sense of rootedness a great place for your family what are what are some of the other great things about being there
1: well I tell people a lot of folks ask so because of the camp here Camp Arcadia you've got thousands of folks who are coming up here every summer and summertime in Northern Michigan generally is just wonderful and then to come to Camp Arcadia and here it's this you know this profound sense of community and faith is at the center and it's just beautiful you're on Lake Michigan and so People ask me all the time, what's it like to live here, right? And my simple answer that I give to people is that it's, it's a real place. Because for a lot of folks, they think of Arcadia as like this utopia. I mean, it's Arc- Arcadia, you know, going back to the Greeks, Arcadia was kind of this vision of the rural paradise. Virgil invokes it and, and so forth. Um, and people can still have in their minds, okay, Arcadia, Michigan, is this kind of utopia, And it's wonderful for reasons I'm going to uh, lay out for you. But I I tell folks it's a real place. It's not a utopia, literally a no place. It's a real place. And I mean that in both senses. So on the one hand, it's a real place. It has real sinners. It has real problems. Poverty is an issue. All the things you've heard about with rural communities uh, across the country, it's true here as well. Underemployment. Um, A friend of mine pointed out that up in northern Michigan, she said nobody does just one thing. And what she meant by that is a lot of people are wearing two hats. So maybe in the wintertime, they plow roads. Um, And in the summertime, they work at the golf course or whatever it might be. They do what they have to do because they want to be here. And so there's real challenges up here. And um, you can't just idealize it. Every place is going to have its issues. And Arcadia is no exception from that. But it's a real place. And it's that sense of placeness that i find so wonderful um in our country right now there's just kind of this flattening where you can go um you know you might not know whether you're in tacoma or dallas or you know any number of other places because there's the same strip malls there's the same kind of things and at least in washington you can look up and oh there's mount rainier like there's those things that that orient you Uh, but uh In so many places, it's been flattened out and made to be just so bland and um, uniform, uniformly ugly in a lot of ways. Um, But with uh, Arcadia, as well as with a lot of rural communities, they still have that distinctive sense of uh, town pride and identity. For us, a lot of it is shaped by, of course, our, our spot in creation um, our geographical location, um, but also just th- that sense of, as you say, of, of the community, the people caring for one another, caring about their place, and uh, uh, that to me is deeply appealing and one of the things that I really enjoy about Arcadia.
0: So that, that sense of place and the sense of uniqueness then, that this isn't just any other corporate America blah sort of place, it's its, its own place?
1: Yeah, that's. I think that's a big. Uh, that's a big part of it. And I mean, to go further with that, especially for us as Lutherans, now, of course, not everybody will resonate with this to the same degree. If you're not um, a Christian, certainly, if you're not uh, a Lutheran, that you wouldn't um, appreciate this so much. But with in Arcadia, you have in some ways kind of like a, a village where it's Lutheranism. Um, the other example of this from Michigan would be Frankenmuth, of course, where uh, it really is, was established as like this Lutheran Mecca to, you know, kind of paradoxically put it that way. But um, where in Arcadia, the, that Lutheran identity and the faith is really woven into it. I, so my undergrad was in sociology. And uh, I remember in a, we had a, a sociology, urban sociology kind of class. And I remember my professor saying, you can tell a lot about a town by what is its tallest building." Okay, what's the structure that is the tallest there? And he gave the example in East Lansing. The tallest building was Hubbard Hall, and uh, it was a dorm dormitory. And spoke to the you know town's identity as a, a university town. You go to Chicago, it's going to be Sears Tower. Is it still called the Sears Tower? Um, you know the tall building. Um, and you know uh, showing commercial finance, etc. And you can do this in a lot of places. It's a, you know it's a heuristic. It's not always the case, but. In Arcadia, the tallest structure, and the, the tallest point, is the church steeple. And even if you're to um, to go up, we have a spot just north of town called the Arcadia Overlook or Inspiration Point. And uh, it's just this fantastic view on Lake Michigan. It's a few hundred feet above the town. You look down on the town of Arcadia, and all you see are trees, the tops of trees. And then you see this church steeple coming up out of it. And it's just this remarkable view, but to me, it harkens back to an older um, view of town life where the church is at the center. And Henry Starkey platted it so that the Trinity Lutheran Church is literally at the center of the geographical center of town. Um, And we have our church bells, and that uh, created a controversy recently. I can share more of that if you're interested. Um, But those church bells that continue to call all people, whether or not they happen to believe, Um, To a deeper sense of the transcendent, that God is present here. And um, that, to me, really marks it out. That sense of the faith interwoven with the community, with the church at the center, and then spreading out um, to all of our neighbors so that we're a blessing even to those who are not, not only not Lutheran but not Christian, um, really makes it distinctive.
0: Yeah. Okay, so you've touched on earlier some of the challenges about being there. You you briefly mentioned the poverty and the uh, underemployment. Would you speak a little bit more about some of the challenges about being in Arcadia?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, of course, you talk to anybody from northern Michigan, the first thing they're going to say is is the winter, right? And uh, my friend, uh, Pastor Josh um uh, he mentioned this as well in your interview with him. Um, but I don't think that's quite right. I mean, if you're somebody who just does not like the snow does not like winter for sure. Northern Michigan, a lot of Northern United States is not for you. And I lived in Tucson and I met those people who just so did not want snow that they were willing to put up with 110 degrees in it. You know what I mean? Um, But winter itself to me is, is really beautiful. And uh, especially in what you call the dead of winter in December, January, February, when you're getting, you're regularly getting, um, snowfall. And we average about 120 inches a year, about 10 feet of snow a a year. Um, It's really beautiful. I mean, even growing up downstate Michigan, um, you know, you'd get to a point in January or certainly February where you're not getting a lot of snow and you just kind of get that gray stuff that's hanging around until March or April. And it's just ugly. And here we just are continually getting these regular snowfalls. And if you kind of embrace winter sports and, and getting outside in the wintertime, it's really uh, can be quite wonderful. Your question, though, was what are the challenges? And so the win- the dead of winter isn't the problem. The problem is more the shoulder seasons. This is one of the challenges is that it's not winter itself. It's, it's uh, what we call late winter, okay, where, you know, March and, and even into April where it's still cold. And you're like, what do I got to do to get some warmer weather around here? Uh, uh, th- those are the tougher times. Um, the other things, challenges, I mean, these, this can kind of cut both ways. You, you don't have the shopping and the entertainment options around here um, that you would in other places. And, I, you know, I think that this can cut both ways for sure. I was at my barber. You know, I've got a barber. Uh, You're a your barber guy. And uh, we were having a conversation. This was pre-COVID, obviously. Um, we were having a conversation about life up here. And he was also a transplant. And I said, you know, a lot of people talk about it that life is simpler up here and i said well what what do you think people mean by that and he had a great answer to that he said it means fewer options and uh depending on your perspective that can be a good or a bad thing for some folks that can be really frustrating like there's just the one grocery store there's just the one movie theater and in fact our closest movie theater just shows one movie at a time there's fewer options that leads to a deeper sense of simplicity to me it's less stress because You know, what uh, Michael Pollan called the omnivores dilemma. You're just we can have anything, everything all the time in our modern society. I think I find it helpful to be able to limit those options sometimes. But for for other folks, that can be a real a real challenge. So and you got to so you got to travel an hour if you want to go to a shopping mall. And uh, I've done that once since I've lived here. Uh, You know, things like, uh, I mean, although sometimes I'm a little bit of a a Luddite and I resist technology, um, you know, Amazon can still get things here in a couple of days. I can order stuff from REI online and it's going to get here shortly. And so I think in some ways our technology and the Internet has facilitated moves like my family has made more easily because you have access to those things, which even 20 years ago you might not have.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Let's take a moment for a word from our sponsor. If you've got a lot of downtime right now, there's no better time to start a new audiobook. And you can do that with Audible, the sponsors of today's show. Their free 30-day trial comes with a free audiobook that you get to keep. Check that trial out at audibletrial.com slash Lutheran cartographer. Let's get back to our guest. So tell us a little bit about what it's like to be Lutheran in this place that was very intentionally planted to be Lutheran and has this Lutheran retreat center. What's it like?
1: Yeah, so it, it really is. Um, as I say, it's it's distinctive in that the faith really is part of that history of it and it's still part of the the everyday presence of it so um within arcadia first let's talk about the church so um we're basically the only show in town right um there's technically there's a, a methodist church but they have about six or seven folks and they only meet for for part of the year uh, so it's it's interesting for people just talk about trinity church you know, uh, that, that it's a Lutheran church. If you're not part of our community, you know, is, is neither here nor there. It's just the church in Arcadia or the Arcadia church. And uh, I think that that gives uh, a unique kind of air and, and sense to the area where and then I'm kind of regarded as just the town pastor and uh, and. Something I really enjoy is that I'm able to minister to folks who may never darken the door on Sunday, right, but who still call when they're in need or um, just want somebody to talk to I Had a conversation with our town doctor last night because he just needed to, um, you know, unburden himself a little bit. And uh, so that's kind of unique in, in its own way. But then you can't have that conversation about what does it mean to be Lutheran in Arcadia without talking about Camp Arcadia, um, because for uh, five months out of the year, you've got this regular stream of visitors coming from all over the country, um, not all Lutheran, but the vast majority of them, and you have just this rich worship life of, you know, we're having um, Vespers several nights a week, we're doing taze services, so you've got um, things happening during the week in addition to our normal um, just kind of parish worship life. Mentioned before, you've got um, these lectures and Bible studies, and just that sense of of um, people who are bound together by a common faith. Um, and even when we're just enjoying things, sitting on the beach, you know, eating together, that, that kind of thing. Um, there's just this deeper sense of a, uh, a sense of belonging, right? That you're part of something bigger. That you're part of your Lutheran tradition. That you're, you're part of um, the the church catholic that you're part of this body of believers um that transcends time and space but which in a a particularly um focused way meets here in this place in arcadia and so uh yeah i mean especially the summers are just uh just remarkable and and really just uh especially to be a lutheran christian there's i think there's few better places to be
0: yeah, so let's talk a little bit more about the camp and how how the relationship between the church and the camp works.
1: Yeah, so it's um, it's mostly kind of an informal relationship. Um, although, as I say, the the church in a sense seeded the camp. So Walter A. Meyer, the famous Lutheran Hour speaker, and uh, is connected with um, the Walter League. He had visited up here with with some others, and he had this vision of starting a um, of starting a, a a youth camp, a Lutheran camp, that was especially going to be for raising up uh, young leaders. And he had visited up here. I can't recall what brought him into the area, but um, Charles Starkey, the son of, of Henry Starkey, took him on a tour, showed him around, and said, we're willing to donate, I think it was like 50 acres on, of Lake Michigan coastland, right? I mean, in dollars, you can only imagine what that would be worth. Um, because he really wanted Charles Starkey wanted to to see Walter a Meyer's vision come about and so the church and members of the church had a hand in helping to start the camp um, since then the camp has really you know blossomed and, and grown um, so much over the last century but there continues to be this um, continuity and connection so um, for instance in the summertime um, uh, one of the deans or the lecturers for the week will often preach at Trinity, and I'll you know I'll serve as liturgist and and celebrate the sacrament and so forth. But we'll have uh, have them preach, which is great. I mean, I get to hear some of the best preachers in our denomination coming through, and uh, it's really a, a fantastic thing. Um, and then of course you've got folks who are um, members of the church are going to visit the camp. There's also what's called a cottage colony, so it started up. Um, not long after the camp started where people were like, Hey, I really like it here. I'd like to be able to be here more often. And so they started this cottage colony of, I don't know, maybe hundred, a hundred homes. Most of them are seasonal, but probably a fifth of them are year round people um, who live there. And so they're strongly connected to the camp. They're also members of the church. Um, the camp director I mentioned before, Chip May is my head elder. Um, so there's just a, a lot of connections uh, mostly informal and and relational, um, but that kind of bind us together. And I mean, we're three blocks away. so
0: <laughs> excellent. So we've talked about a little bit uh, about your family. Tell us a little bit more about what it's like to raise a family there.
1: Yeah, I mean, so for part of me coming here, I tell people i I, I probably just read too many Wendell Berry books. and for people who aren't familiar with Wendell Berry, he, you know he's a Farmer and essayist and novelist poet and uh, he has through his his fiction has really um, painted this community um, the Port William community where it's this place where it's similar to Arcadia in a lot of ways you've got generational families you've got also generational disputes <laughs> um, you've got folks who are, are really relying on one another and embracing um, life in in community in a small town. And like I said, I read a lot of Wendell Berry. And so there was something within me for that, that I really longed for that for my kids. Having grown up in the suburbs, which, you know, has its own um, blessings and benefits. I really wanted them to be able to have a, a life that was more deeply connected to creation, where their faith. Um, was going to be front and center. Of course I'm a pastor so anywhere with that's, it that's going to be true to a certain extent. But I really wanted that to be able to be cultivated and nurtured and for them to be able to just enjoy being kids. And um, I, should, I should back up and share one story as we were considering the call. I was visiting one of the other elders, um, and and his wife took my wife Ann and me out for dinner. And he said, he shared with me some of the challenges, same things I've shared with you. Like, you know, if you want shopping, entertainment, if you want all these kinds of things, Arcadia is probably not for you. But he said, if you value faith and family, creation and community, there's no better place. And that just spoke to me so deeply. And for my family, since we've come here, so we live in a parsonage. We live right next door to the church literally live in the shadow of the bell tower. And uh, that's just so cool to be able to go back and forth. And I'm speaking to you from my office, you know, which I um, have my daily commute of 30 seconds. Sometimes I see if I can get back, you know, at noon for lunch, if I can get home before the last of the 12 bells that that chime at noon. I usually can. Um, And uh, for my kids, they're able to bike all throughout town. You know, they go down to the lake. They've gotten into fishing. I didn't grow up fishing. Because, again, I was just a suburban kid. Um, that wasn't something we did. But they've, they've started fishing. They take their BB gun. They go out into the woods and shoot stuff. And uh, they're just all over the place. And, and of course, we feel safe and comfortable w- about that. That's not to say, again, that um, accidents can't happen here, that there aren't bad actors in every place. Of course there are. But um, just give you one example that, that kind of underscores this and the difference, I think, in a small town that many others could attest to as well. Um, neighbors will, will tell me hey, I saw your son, Sam, doing this. Is that okay if he does that? You know, like, there's just eyes around. And... Um the downside of that is sometimes there's that fishbowl sense, right? Especially for the pastor, because people are kind of, kind of watching, but you just have to roll with it and embrace it. And I think the upside of it is I get all these other uh, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas that are keeping an eye on my kids and let me know if they're up to something that they shouldn't be. So um, it's a really, it's a, a neat place to grow up in a lot of ways, and especially so for my kids with those other connections with the family I, that I mentioned before.
0: Yeah, that that ability to it sounds like the ability to breathe a little bit as a parent to not have to constantly stress about where my kids are. That kind of thing is really really good.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, my wife and I, we fashion ourselves kind of free range uh, parents in a lot of ways where we're like, hey, you guys go out, run around and uh, an added benefit of having the the bell tower here and other local families attest to it as well is we just tell the kids, all right, six o'clock bell, you better get home. And at six o'clock, the carillon plays uh, plays a couple of hymns, so it goes for about five or seven minutes. So we're like, you need to be home before that's over, okay? Um, so it gives them that sense of even for the younger ones that can't tell time, that they they hear that, and you can hear it from all over town, right? So if they're out playing in the woods, if they're down uh, by the waterside or wherever, they hear that, they know it's time to come home, and uh, yeah, it gives us that sense of as you say. We're able to breathe. Of course, just being out in the country, um, that's true as well. Just that sense of you're not being crammed in. And um, during this season of quarantine, I've talked with friends downstate in the city and so forth, what life is like. And um, it's tough. But to be honest, I feel a little guilty saying it, Nicholas. During this quarantine, it hasn't been a huge shift for our family. We homeschool. We're continuing to homeschool. And we're getting outside and enjoying creation." And uh, so I feel very fortunate in, in this season of sheltering in place that uh, we're still able to to get outside and keep our sanity.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So we should mention for our listeners that we're recording this on the 5th of May. And hopefully by the time you hear this, dear listener, things will have changed. But at least right. at the moment, a lot of states are still in the whatever you want to call it, lockdown, house arrest, uh, right. <laughs> enforced imprisonment, whatever you want to call it. Uh, <clears throat> let's let's talk a little bit about that. Just briefly, since this is a rather unique moment in history, what's yeah. I've heard a lot of different things about what's going on in Michigan. What's your perspective?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, Governor Whitmer definitely took um, strong and decisive action early on um, to have sheltering in place and to tell folks, okay, you need you need to stay home and um, it's really stretched further and further. And I won't get into the political aspects of it. Your listeners can uh, read up on that, but to be sure, it has been, uh, she made some really strong restrictions on travel, even to the point where, you know, you can't even go over to a friend's house, uh, this sort of thing. And so um, our congregation, like uh, the vast majority of congregations in Michigan, um, stopped gathering for, uh, for, for gathered worship. And it's, it has, it's changed the way that we go about things. But um, by the same token, we've still been able to, to do some things. We have um, a prayer walk through the woods in town that to encourage people to, to go on the way of the cross we call it um, with the uh, church bells. It gives us that sense of still being connected to the congregation, the life of the church, even when we're not able to, to gather together. And just in, as far as Michigan more generally. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's been really tough. Michigan's economy has been hit really hard. It's still very manufacturing centered and even, you know, we're very agricultural up here um, but the the supply chain is kind of all messed up now because a lot of food, it doesn't just go to grocery stores. it also goes to universities to um to dormitories. And so um agriculture is it's just being felt all over the place. so uh, yeah, it's been it's been a challenge to be sure. and it's it's felt here, even as it's felt in the cities, too.
0: I see, okay. So let's transition to hidden gems or not so hidden gems in the area if somebody is coming to arcadia let's say that they're they're coming to camp arcadia for the summer what what kind of things in the area would you recommend that they definitely see
1: yeah so i mean it definitely begins and ends with um recreational opportunities being out in creation and if that's not your thing you're not going to be able to enjoy the fullness of arcadia like you can still just sit on the beach and And be in front of the lake and that's great actually um that's that's not to be denied and i will say too having lived on the ocean um on the monterey peninsula it's beautiful to look at not a lot of fun to go out and swim in right it's it's very cold pretty much year round and it's also salt water and uh you know everything that comes along with that so we call lake michigan the third coast or you know it's uh unsalted living here and so um, especially in the summertime not quite yet as we're talking but uh, certainly come June July August into September Lake Michigan is great for um, swimming in um, it's very you know sandy beaches and it's just it's really wonderful in that respect the water very clear in fact when we were coming out first moving out here one of our friends from Washington State saw a picture of Arcadia and of the coastline and she says, I, I thought you were moving to Michigan. That looks like the Caribbean. And I said, yeah, we call it the Caribbean of the Midwest. It's Lake Michigan. <laughs> um, so, you know, getting out, getting out into the lake, going swimming. A lot of people have boats up here, those sorts of things, skidoos um, all of that. Um, I've taken to kayaking. And so, uh, you know, you kayak out in Lake Michigan, but I, um, our rivers as well. Um, so the Betsy River is close by. It's just a real nice flowing river. It's great for kayaking. We've got a world-class uh, two-track, um, or I'm sorry, single-track mountain bike trail um, here in the St. Pierre Trail, um, the Arcadia Dunes. So we're surrounded by a lot of um, conservancy lands, the Grand Traverse Regional Land Conservancy. And there's just these fantastic trails. And um, if people know anything about this part of of michigan they probably have heard of the sleeping bear sand dunes and josh talked about this as well um and the arcadia dunes where you just have these uh, monumental hundreds of feet up these sand dunes and it's just it's great to look at it's fun going down not as fun going up it's a pretty serious workout <laughs> um but uh, two steps forward yeah,
0: and I'm, one step back kind of thing
1: For sure. Yeah. Um, but just the, the hiking is incredible. Um, the biking kayaking, all of those sorts of things, uh, in the wintertime close by here, we have crystal mountain Of course for folks from out West, they hear mountain and they just kind of chuckle to themselves and it's true. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's not a mountain by certainly not by Colorado or even Washington standards. Um, but, uh, it's still good skiing, uh, cross country skiing trails, all of those sorts of things. Um, and then for other kinds of sports and recreation, uh, we've got Arcadia Bluffs here. So uh, you've got Camp Arcadia, kind of this this world-class uh, family camp. But then you've got Arcadia Bluffs, which is a top 100 public course um, in America and just a fantastic golf course. Um, it was designed after and very reminiscent of kind of um, like your Scottish Highlands courses, these sweeping, rolling hills. And it's just uh, it's beautiful. You can also... If you're up here in the summertime, go over to Arcadia Bluffs, even if you're not a golfer. And at uh, sunset, you can go get a cocktail and and sit out on the the back porch of the clubhouse. And each night they've got a, um, uh, uh, oh gosh, what's the the Scottish uh, um, instrument? Bagpipe. Oh my goodness. Um, They've got a bagpiper out there. Each night as the sun sets, sit, look at the lake, have a drink. It's yeah, it's it's quite an experience. Um It sounds and then, sublime. You know, Yeah, and if you want to go out a little bit further um Michigan, like Washington, we've got a lot of uh microbreweries and so there's um there's several small breweries around. There's also a really cool distillery. It's the only farm farm to table distillery in Michigan called Ironfish. Uh they have great whiskey. Um and then you go up into the Traverse City area, and you got all your cherry-related things, and especially Cherry Republic, where they have so many samples. You'll walk out of there having gained five pounds. Um, so yeah, there's there's a ton a ton to do, um, especially recreationally, but uh, it, uh, it's it's just a fun place to be.
0: Yeah, thank you for pointing our listeners to all those cool things that they can do. So now as we start closing out the podcast, I want to be sure to give you the opportunity to point our listeners towards what you would like. Your church website, places to follow you online, where would you like to point our listeners? Yeah, thanks very much.
1: Um, so we have a pretty active uh, Facebook presence, uh, facebook.com slash Trinity Arcadia. That's the first place I'd point them to. Um, we have a pretty static website, um, but also uh, to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We only really started it up with um, everything that's been going on with the um, coronavirus, but um, you know, we're posting videos there. In addition to our services, I'm doing a, just a brief little devotional podcast I call the Daily Salmanac where I help to, hope to help people grow in the practice of prayer by um, deepening their relationship with the Psalms, so taking a Psalm and reflecting on it. And then finally, I would uh, um, point out our podcast I do with uh, my friend Chip May from uh, Camp, we call Campfire Conversations, um, where we're able to have in-depth interviews with um, the deans and lecturers at camp and other um, friends, and uh, that's been really good as well. So, and they can... Uh, Feel free to befriend me on Facebook as well,
0: Ryan Tinetti Okay, good deal. We'll we'll have links to all that good stuff at LutheranCartographer.com slash 25. So listeners, if you'd like to go there for links to all that good stuff, please go there to the show notes. Pastor Tinetti, thanks for coming on the show. What are your parting thoughts for our listeners?
1: I think the big thing for me and for any of us is— even though we're pilgrims and we're making our way toward the new creation to find a way to be rooted in your place. And it's been a journey for me, and I'm, I'm grateful to have found Arcadia and to be here. Um, but wherever you are, to make it a home and to um, be, be there in uh, the place that God has put you and to be grateful for it and to never stop that longing for, uh, for the kingdom yet to come.
0: Amen. Thank you again for your time today. God's peace. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Lutheran Cartographer. For more about the things that we talked about today, check out the show notes page at lutherancartographer.com slash 25. I encourage you to check out that Audible offer so you can get that free audiobook that you get to keep. That's at audibletrial.com slash lutherancartographer. I encourage you to subscribe to the show on... Stitcher or on iTunes so that you don't miss an episode and while you're there I would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review so that other people will see this podcast as well until next time I'm Nicholas Weber thanks for listening I'll talk to you soon